the Bible. Are you intimidated at the thought of reading such a complicated book? Do you find it daunting or delightful or both? Welcome Welcome to to the the club. club. The Bible book club, where we read every word of this great book and then study it together. You guys ready for some plagues? Some rounds of fighting here. (laughs) It's coming. But last episode, we read Moses and Aaron's genealogy. It focused on Aaron and the future importance of his line as the priest. Moses is so proud of his big bro. (laughs) We prepped for the plagues and there was an overview of God's objectives. And then we kicked off the beginning of God's campaign to free the Israelites oppression from the Egyptians with a warm up snake battle and the first plague, the blood. Not much of a setup this week because we're going to jump right into the fight between God and Pharaoh as he continues with five more plagues and five more rounds in the ring. Round two, the plague of frogs in chapter eight. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will send a plague of frogs on your whole country. The Nile will teem with frogs. They will come up into your palace and your bedroom and into your bed, into the houses of your officials and on your people and into your ovens and kneading troughs. The frogs will come up on you and your people and all your officials. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the streams and canals and ponds and make Make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land. But the magicians did the same things by their secret arts. They also made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, pray to the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people, and I will let your people go to offer sacrifices to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, I leave you the honor of setting the time for me to pray for you and your officials and your people that you and your houses may be rid of the frogs, except for those that remain in the Nile. Tomorrow, Pharaoh said, Moses replied, it will be as you say, so that you may know there is no one like the Lord, our God. The frogs will leave you and your houses, your officials and your people. They will remain only in the Nile. After Moses and Aaron left Pharaoh, Moses cried out to the Lord about the frogs he had brought on Pharaoh. And the Lord did what Moses asked. The frogs died in the houses, in the courtyards and in the fields. They were piled into heaps and the land reeked of them. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said. Okay, this is the just gross. I, I when I was in kindergarten, we had shown tell they would never let this happen today. <laughs> and some kid brought in salamanders. Now salamanders, they're not like it's we like have a lizard. Okay, we have right? lizards in Florida, but those are dry lizards. Salamanders are like frogs. They're mushy. You know, they're like slimy. Well, this Did you one, feel it? Is that how you okay, know that? I know because this. This one boy thought it would be funny to oh. put a salamander in my hair. Now, I don't know what the salamander was thinking, but he like burrowed down in my hair. Like the teacher could not get it out. It was slimy. It was gross. I was traumatized. Not oh, because I'm afraid of snakes, frogs, salamanders, anything. The fact was it was tangled in my hair and I could feel it wriggling around in my head. Who was that boy? Do you exactly. remember his name? I don't remember We're going to call him out right now on the Bible book club. <laughs> I 
know. You don't remember if that happened to me, I would never forget. Well, yeah, I just remember being traumatized. Like the teacher could not get it out. I think the teacher was grossed out. I think that was the problem. (laughs) But let's talk about this plague because Moses is super specific that they are going to come up onto your bed and be in your kneading troughs. And they are amphibians are slimy, slimy, dirty. So let's go through our just list of comparison um, items that I mentioned last week that I want to compare from week to week with all these plagues. This one was initiated by Aaron and the magicians were able to copy this, which only created more frogs and probably drove Pharaoh nuts. A better trick, I mentioned this last week, would have been to get rid of right. some of the frogs, the make them disappear. The irony of the frogs was that they were sacred to the Egyptians and could not be killed. That's why Pharaoh <sighs> is so disgusted. So why were they sacred? It was just one of those, they had all, they had different sacred animals that you couldn't kill. They thought that you shouldn't kill a frog. And so when the frogs were overrun, but frogs are stinky and gross, then it was just an annoyance to him. The Egyptians had to let the slimy amphibians hop around, contaminating everything. They touched until they died. And then when the frogs died in the hot Egyptian sun, the land reeked. It would have been a disaster. I have to believe that God found humor in many of these early plagues. Not the, the later ones are going to no, get, the ones are that gonna that get are sad, people, yeah, but this had to them. be funny because here's the deal. This plague challenged the Egyptian goddess Haket, who had the head of a frog and was the goddess of fertility. The God of Israel is clearly mocking her by creating chaos with a fertility explosion of her frogs. That's really funny, actually. <laughs> It's so funny. It's hilarious. It's disgusting. See, God has a sense of humor. I hate to say it, but I think he he was probably laughing. This is funny. <laughs> Pharaoh did not think it was funny. Mm-hmm. He did not like this slimy plague and he begged for it to stop. He doesn't beg for everyone to stop, but this one bugged him. Yet when it was over, Pharaoh hardened his heart and would not let the Israelites go. All right. So the question for you today, is there anything that you have hardened your heart against doing or even any one that you've hardened your heart against loving or doing something that God told you to do to help them, how is your heart hard? What What do you need to do to change it? What we can learn from Vera in this as we walk through all these plagues is the hardening of your own heart leads to an irreversible God hardening your heart um, in the case of Vera. Yeah, that's interesting too, because some of the earlier verses said that God said he would harden Pharaoh's heart. But in the last one that we just read, I noticed that it said after the frogs went away, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. So that's a really good point. You can sometimes harden your own heart as opposed to um, God having done it. And that's probably even more toxic. And so how do you do that with like toxic inner thoughts that you need to change or, you know, what it's probably different for everybody, but um, start to recognize that when that's happening and be able to catch it and change it. Yeah. In the chart, in the show notes, it'll show which ones, uh, which plagues Pharaoh hardened his own heart, which plagues his heart was unyielding, and then which plagues uh, that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And it is interesting. And there's a lot of interesting commentaries about it. And I'm going to touch a little bit, touch on it a little bit next week. All right. Round three, the plague of gnats. Verse 16, then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the ground. And throughout the land of Egypt, the dust will become gnats. They did this. And when Aaron stretched out his hand with the staff and struck the dust of the ground, 
gnats came up on people and animals. All the dust throughout the land of Egypt became gnats. But when the magicians tried to produce gnats by their secret arts, they could not. Since the gnats were on people and animals everywhere, the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hard and he would not listen just as the Lord had said. All right, the plague of gnats. There are three great forces in Egyptian life. They are water, land, and sky. The first two plagues were against the water, the um, blood and the frogs that came out of the Nile. This is the first of four against the land. It is also the last plague in the first division. Therefore, there is no warning to the Egyptians that this is going to happen. The plague of gnats is also the last plague initiated by Aaron. Going forward, Moses takes the lead. Perhaps he just needed more confidence, our little doubter. This is also the first plague that the magicians could not reproduce. And to their credit, they gave the credit to God. They said, hey, it's their God doing this because we can't do it. They will not be able to reproduce any more of Moses' miracles. So that's the end of the magicians. So you see, slowly, God is chipping away at things. Pharaoh, however, would not listen to the magicians. Pharaoh's heart was hard and he did not believe in the power of God. Now, the Egyptian god Jeb or Geb, not sure, is the god over the dust of the earth. And he was attacked and disqualified in this plague because God takes that dust and makes it chaotic. He makes it into gnats that cover the people. Harmless at this point. We haven't had a plague that was really harmful to anyone. Well, well those but gnats do hurt when they bite. <laughs> well, they're certainly annoying, that's for sure. Really annoying. The chaos that resulted in creation was the air filled with gnats. Some commentaries say this is lice. Yuck! And that these gnats and lice were as numerous as the dust grows. The outcome of this destruction may have been lengthy in this plague, as there is no recorded end to this one. So mm-hmm. it could have gone on until the gnats died, I guess. I don't we know. We still have gnats today because of those guys. Could be they just learned to live with them. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Well, the next question then is, Pharaoh wouldn't listen to Moses and Aaron. And can you think of a time then that you didn't listen to God? What might you be resisting about listening to God right now? Round four, the plague of flies. Verse 20, then the Lord said to Moses, get up early in the morning and confront Pharaoh as he goes to the river and say to him, this is what the Lord says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. If you do not let my people go, I will send swarms of flies on you and your officials, on your people and into your houses. The houses of the Egyptians will be full of flies. Even the ground will be covered with them. But on that day, I will deal differently with the land of Goshen, where my people live. No swarms of flies will be there, so that you will know that I, the Lord, am in this land. I will make a distinction between my people and your people. This sign will occur tomorrow. And the Lord did this. 
dense swarms of flies poured into Pharaoh's palace and into the houses of his officials. Throughout Egypt, the land was ruined by the flies. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, go sacrifice to your God here in the land. But Moses said, that would not be right. The sacrifices we offer the Lord, our God, would be detestable to Egyptians. And if we offer our sacrifices that are detestable in their eyes, will they not stone us? We must make a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God as he commands us. Pharaoh said, I will let you go offer sacrifices to the Lord your God in the wilderness, but you must not go very far. Now pray for me. (laughs) Moses answered, as soon as I leave you, I will pray to the Lord and tomorrow the flies will leave Pharaoh and his officials and his people. Only let Pharaoh be sure that he does not act deceitfully again by not letting the people go offer sacrifices to the Lord. Then Moses left Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord. And the Lord did what Moses asked. The flies left Pharaoh and his officials and his people. Not a fly remained. But this time also, Pharaoh hardened his heart and would not let the people go. He's so sneaky. That Pharaoh. The plague of flies. All right. This is the first plague Moses initiates and the first in division two because it begins in the morning. Also, it is the first plague where God says that there will be a distinction for the Israelites. They will be spared from the plague while the Egyptians will suffer. So this is the first time God is like clearly separating the people. He's saying, I like these guys and I don't like you. You're getting the plague. These people are not. So it's super sharp to them whose God is in control. Pharaoh must have been impacted by the flies because he begins to try to compromise with Moses. This is the first time he kind of says, all right, well, you can go, but you can't go far. So a little crack in his in his armor there. However, once he got what he wanted, Pharaoh hardened his heart again. Now, God may have been attacking slash mocking the so-called power of the Egyptian god Kipri, the god of creation that had the head of a fly. The outcome of this plague was a first because the flies brought destruction on the land. And this is the first time where it, it documents like you can just see God ratcheting it up. The flies did do damage. This also is the first plague of the second division and takes the consequence of the plague to a higher level. How do flies cause destruction of land? I don't know. So there was some commentary about that. You know, the interpretation of the Hebrew word of flies, it very well could have been an assortment of bugs. Mm -hmm. So maybe beetles who eat leaves. yeah. Yeah. But whatever it did, it did cause damage. So they ate their crops and stuff. Yeah. So it also struck me that Pharaoh, if I was going through a plague, I would want everything to stop right now. Like I would want it to to, to end. And even last episode when Moses and Pharaoh were talking and, and Moses says, well, you tell me when you want it to happen. And Pharaoh's like, tomorrow, make it stop tomorrow. And then here again, he's like, I want it to stop tomorrow. Why wouldn't he just ask, can you stop it now? I don't know. I don't know if Pharaoh was so protected in his palace, although it says it's going to, these things are going to be everywhere. Mm-hmm. Or if he just was so prideful, I think there was a lot of pride there yeah. that he couldn't acknowledge, 
you know, and, and you see him kind of giving in and go, begging them, make it stop. And then he goes, hmm, I don't know about that. I'm not giving anymore. Right. Uh, and he changes his mind. I think there's a lot of pride involved. And he had been told he was the God, you know, so. Well, I think it's also good that Moses, when he does leave Pharaoh after Pharaoh asked him to pray for him, he actually does pray for him. Yeah. And I think about that sometimes because how easy is it as we go through our lives and, you know, you hear about somebody whose family member passed away or somebody's having an illness and you say, oh, I'm going to pray for you. But then do you actually go do it? Mm-hmm. I try to make sure that anytime I say I'm going to pray for somebody that I actually go do it. I'm really intentional about that. But um, I just think go go Moses, because it would be probably really hard to pray for Pharaoh because he was so mean to all those people. And I think it's a really good point when you said that God could have just wiped Pharaoh out, yeah. but nobody would have seen this as a huge miracle. Or God could have just said, okay, um, I'll end the plague when I want to end the plague. Or as soon as Pharaoh says this, I'll end the plague. But instead, there were things that Moses had to do. And he's building Moses's confidence in his connection with God. I follow, I obey God. I do what he says. And then I come back and I pray to God. Okay, God, Pharaoh would like it to stop. He agreed. Please stop it. And there is this kind of Moses being a vessel for the Lord. And he has to take the instructions away and then he has to bring it back. It's It doesn't just happen. Moses has to take action. Well, let me ask you this. Have you made any promises to God or others that you changed your mind about and maybe haven't kept? Who do you need to go back and recircle around on that promise <laughs> and make good on it? Yeah, especially if you have little kids. I promise you can have that later. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I used to do when we would go to see um, the Sesame Street when my kids were young mm-hmm. at intermission? I would be like, wasn't that a good show? Oh, you would leave. And I would leave. <laughs> and then at some point, once they got old enough, they started to understand that that was just intermission, intermission. And that I had been doing that to them all that time. So yeah, I definitely had to make good on that. All right, round five, the plague on livestock in chapter nine. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews says, let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go and continue to hold them back, the hand of the Lord will bring a terrible plague on your livestock in the field, on your horses, donkeys, camels, and on your cattle, sheep, and goats. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and that of Egypt so that no animal belonging to the Israelites will die. The Lord set a time and said, tomorrow, there's that tomorrow again, but this time it's the Lord's tomorrow. Exactly. The Lord will do this in the land. And the next day, the Lord did it. All the livestock of the Egyptians died, but not one animal belonging to the Israelites died. Pharaoh investigated and found that not even one of the animals of the Israelites had died, yet his heart was unyielding, and he would not let the people go. All right, the plague of livestock or domestic animals was initiated by Moses, and there is another distinction for the Israelites. Their livestock are spared, of course, because God knows they will need that livestock when they leave. We don't get much of a reaction from Pharaoh on this plague, which is surprising as the lost must have been devastating. It would have impacted the livelihood and, you know, the the food supply of many of the Egyptian people. Pharaoh was unyielding. However, 
he did do an investigation to see if the Israelites had been spared. And this might be a sign that there may be a little crack in his confidence. Like, can you see him? All right, I just, I just can't believe this is happening. All our livestock are dead. Like, go check, go to Goshen for me, will you? <laughs> go check see out. if it really didn't so happen. What's really, how could this just happen to us? Hathar, the goddess of protection, had the head of a cow. Killing the cows was a blow to another of Pharaoh's gods and perceived sources of power. So she was probably the target here. The effect on creation in this plague is significant. This is the first plague that directly causes death. So I'm really appreciating that you're teaching us about what gods of the Egyptians there was targeting at each of these plagues because we wouldn't know that. No. And and until I read, you know, a lot of information about these plagues, I wouldn't have either. I would have wouldn't have known why God was so systematic in choosing some of these plagues. Because they seem really weird to They're us. Really but weird. There was intentionality oh, yeah. for him. He gave Pharaoh every opportunity, like, you know, bowling pins. He's knocking. Pharaoh's gods down one by one. And Pharaoh is still looking at him going, huh, not buying it. I'm not giving up my godship. And Pharaoh was a god and he was not going to give up. He had a million slaves at his disposal. He was not giving up. Little did he know there would be round six, the (laughs) plague of the boils in verse eight. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, take handfuls of soot from a furnace and have Moses toss it into the air in the presence of Pharaoh. It will become fine dust over the whole land of Egypt and festering boils will break out on people and animals throughout the land. So they took soot from the furnace and stood before Pharaoh. Moses tossed it into the air and festering boils broke out on people and animals. The magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils that were on them and on all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not listen to Moses and Aaron just as the Lord had said to Moses. All right, the plague of boils is the last plague in the second division. Therefore, there was no warning to the Egyptians. It just happened. And it mimics the last plague in the first division, the plague of gnats, because it starts with dust. The first one that was dust from the ground and this one is soot. The plague of boils was very significant to the Egyptian people because it is the first plague that threatens their lives. Boils can, you know, become infectioned and, and infected and it's awful. The people are going to bear the brunt of God's judgment now because Pharaoh will not listen. God could have also been undermining the Egyptian religion because in Egypt, the ashes of sacrifices were sprinkled into the air above the worshipers. When the ashes fell on them, it was seen as a blessing. Now, in the hands of Moses and his God, the ashes brought a curse rather than a blessing. It brought down painful boils. The irony of all ironies. Yeah. So I would have never known that either because who knew that, you know, the Egyptians used to throw up ashes and they would come down the people, which is exactly what Aaron and Moses just did. They threw up ashes, but instead of a blessing, they get boils. To make matters worse, the boils on the Egyptian priests defiled them. So now the people can't go to the priest for healing and they could not offer sacrifice that the priests could not offer sacrifices for the people because they were unclean. So now you have people who are getting infected and their whole system is undermined, their religion. They can't go to the priests. So you 
can imagine they're starting to panic. And yet, what did it say about Pharaoh? It said, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. All right, there are two goddesses that could have been the target for disqualification. Sekhmet, the goddess over disease, was certainly proven powerless. And Isis, the goddess of medicine, failed too. Egypt's strength at the end of Division 2 is rapidly evaporating. Moses and Aaron boldly stood before Pharaoh to toss the soot. However, the, it says the magicians could no longer even stand before Moses because they were in pain. The, the powerhouses of Egypt are crumpling, and yet Moses and Aaron are standing taller. Like pieces on a chessboard, Pharaoh's gods are falling. His magicians are falling. The people are falling and the animals are falling. It is time for Pharaoh's hard heart to melt with fear of the one true God. But for the first time in this plague, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Well, I hope that with all of this talk about hard hearts, you can go back and think about that with respect to your own heart and how you may have hardened your heart on your own or if if God or something outside of you has done it for you and just think through that and where you might need to do some repentance and um, some inner work and change inside of your heart. But next episode, we are going to talk about this hard heart of Pharaoh's. A lot, a lot. of people think it's unfair. We'll see. What's a club without friends? If you're enjoying the Bible Book Club, why don't you share it? And then you can say, welcome, welcome to, to the, the club. club. New episodes drop every Monday and get all episodes now on Amazon Music. As always, head over to susanme.com slash Bible Book Club for show notes from today's episode. Bible Book Club is hosted by Susan Merrill and Heather Rubio, edited by Buck Buchanan, produced by Haley Mawatt.